0: Once I stood in the night, with my head bowed low, in the darkness as black as could be. And my heart felt alone, and I cried, O oh Lord, don't hide your face from me. I hand all the way, every hour, every day, from here to the grave. a king, I may live in a palace so tall, with great riches to call my home, but I don't know a thing in this whole wide world that's worse than being alone. Hold my hand all the way Every hour Stand where no one stands.
1: you grateful that we don't have to stand alone. Amen? I tell you, sometimes you do feel pretty alone in this life, though. No doubt about it. You can have, I mean, scores and scores of people around you and still feel all by yourself, all alone. But boy, I tell you what, we need to claim the promises of God and know that He is with us always and never leave us nor forsake us, and we're certainly glad for that. Take your Bible today and turn over to the book of Mark today, chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, probably... One of the greatest names, the books of the Bible that there is. It's a wonderful book. Simply marvelous. (laughs) Mark chapter 10. I'm very familiar with that name. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 14. We're going to begin reading there. We're just going to read a few verses. And again, today is... uh, uh, bus sunday we're celebrating 20 years in the bus ministry and well we're grateful for those 20 years and uh you know it's just uh it's really amazing to think it's been that long i know i don't look that old to you but uh it's been 20 years in the bus ministry and uh it was two years after the church started really that the bus ministry really got rolling yeah you like that okay really got rolling there yeah (laughs) and so that's been going on since and uh, we're certainly grateful. I'm going to be careful I don't say too much, because I know Josh has got a few things he's going to share, and uh, we'll go from there, but uh, uh, boy, what a what a wonderful thing it is, the bus ministry. Nonetheless, we'll talk a little bit about it today. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 14, uh, we begin reading there, the Bible says, and whosoever shall not receive you, nor, uh, let's see here, I'm in Matthew right now, <laughs> it's just, after everything I said about Mark, that's pretty bad, isn't it? <clears throat> All right. That's how the bus ministry works, my friend. Get used to it. You have to learn to adapt. Okay, Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 14. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. let will tell you, go back to 13. And, uh, and they brought young children to him and he, uh, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. Researchers at John Hopkins University reported that 40 years ago, the greatest fears of grade school children were, one, animals. Two, being in the dark, a dark room, that is. Three, high places. Five, loud noises. Now compare that to today. Ages 7 to 10, their greatest fears, being kidnapped, myself dying, AIDS, not being able to breathe, being threatened with a gun. Ages 11 to 14, AIDS, not being able to breathe, being kidnapped, being raped, being threatened with a gun. Ages 15 to 18, the greatest fears. AIDS, being raped, not being able to breathe, being threatened with a gun, and myself dying. It's interesting that at every age, they're almost identical, just at different places. But consider those in comparison to those 40, 50 years ago. I mean, animals. That squirrel could bite me. I mean, those were the things years ago. Now, of course, as a child, I was never afraid of any of those things. <laughs> Being in a dark room, high places, strangers, loud noises, and compared to today. Isn't it amazing what our young people and our children are facing today? And again, some would say, well, that's why I don't want to bring children into the world. May I say to you that you, you don't, don't allow that to happen to you, young people? Don't get like that. Just go ahead and, and, and just trust God with your life, your family, and just have a great time. You can't control what's going to happen, but my, don't allow the world to dictate how you feel and what you do with your life. And just serve God and enjoy them. Have children and have a bunch of them. I don't have to raise them anymore, so have tons of them. Today, kids are just forced to deal with horrors that are just hard to imagine, really. I mean... I mean, you think about just the word raped, the violence that goes with so many things today, our drive-by shootings, divorce, domestic violence, abuse, terrorism, all the things that we face today. And sadly enough, our children are exposed to all of this, and they grow up with fears and anxiety. It's a horrible, horrible thing. Boys, parents, you know, you can, people can go ahead and say you're wrong for doing this, but I think you ought to try to guard your children from hearing all that mess. I don't think it's good for them to get a good dose of reality when they're 10. I don't think so. They'll get it soon enough. I think you have to prepare them. I think you have to make sure they're aware of certain things and be careful. I understand safety issues. My oh my folks, let's not scare our children to death. But unfortunately, these are the things children are worried about today. And more than ever, these words that we heard need to be heeded. When we hear the Lord Jesus Christ saying, Suffer the little children to come unto me. Boy, more than ever, we need to bring children to Christ. More than ever in the world we live, it's imperative and it's important and it's a necessity that they meet the one who created them and the one who can bring them great peace and comfort in their life. Because they're not going to find it today in the world they live. We live in a world that is spiraling into the depths of depravity, a culture that's growing ever more corrupt, and a society that's increasingly violent and amoral. It's a desperate time. We must suffer the little children to come unto Him. Jesus loves children, and that's obvious. We see it in our passage. I mean, the Bible tells us He took them up in His arms. He put his hands upon them. He blessed them, it says. Children hold a very special place in the heart of God. In Matthew chapter 18, turn there if you would please. Matthew 18 verse 5. Notice what our Lord Jesus Christ says concerning these little children again. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 5 through 6, the Bible says, And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Can you imagine? Think about, uh, I mean, really how severe these words are. Think about what's really being said by our master here. Again, if you, know, if you receive one of these little children in my name, you receive me. Every day, hundreds of children, or every Sunday, hundreds of children walk through the doors of Community Baptist Temple. And let me tell you, we're receiving them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in essence, we are receiving Him. We're inviting Christ in our midst every time we open our doors to those children. Amen. That's right. Amen. Children hold a special place in God's, God's heart. See, Jesus showed His love for children. We see that He commanded His disciples to bring them to Him. We know that He said, Suffer the little children to come unto Me. Not only that, but we need to love those that Jesus loves. And Jesus loves children, so we ought to. Philippians chapter 2, 5 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. If Jesus loved children, then that's the mind we ought to have. If Jesus cares about Kids, so to speak, we should care about kids. If, it's, if they're important to Him, they ought to be important to us. I'm going to make a statement, and you don't have to agree with it, but I do think that the, the Scriptures bear witness to this reality. I think you can't really be right with God unless you have a soft spot for children in your heart. Yes, amen. I really don't think you can be. You got If you're ticked off at every little kid you see and you can't find a place in your heart to show some compassion to a child in need or hurting, you don't have the mind of Christ, friend. You don't. Now, you may not want to teach kids. You may not even want to work in our nursery with all those lovely bundles of joy. But if you really cannot endure and stand children, there's something wrong with you spiritually. Because if you have the mind of Christ you'd say, Suffer the little children to come unto me. I'm a little bit up in age compared to what I used to be. I loved VBS. I loved doing VBS. I loved doing all those things with kids. I, to this day, still lead the singing for our our bus rally in the afternoons. I love being around those kids. I think that's a good thing. I don't think that that's a thing that's based on age. Well, I'm getting a little up in years, so my, day, my time's up. Jesus was only, obviously, 33 years of age probably when this took place. And I understand he was a young man. But the fact is, I don't think it would have mattered if he was 60 or 90 or 120 right. because I believe in heaven today he still cares about those children. Boy, I'll tell you what, I think if Jesus was on earth today, he'd be standing up here leading some music for those kids. I just believe he cares that much about them. Earlier in the chapter, Jesus had come to the coast of Judea. A crowd had gathered, and he began to teach them, and he began to share some truths. And then, all of a sudden, the Pharisees showed up. They often did. And they began asking him questions. They tried to trip the master up by addressing a subject that has, well, divided Christianity for years. Divorce. Well, we'll get him all messed up on this one. We'll divert him. We'll sidetrack him. We'll catch him in an inconsistency. But Jesus, although he's teaching the people, in the midst of confronting the doctors of the law, we read, and they brought young children to him. I mean, he was in the middle of this attack. He's facing these doctors of the law, these learned men of God, And in the midst of all of that, the Bible tells us they brought young children to him. (laughs) In the passage, we note a couple of things. One, we note the disciples' disdain. I mean, his disciples, the Bible tells us, rebuke those that brought them. I mean, they brought the children to Jesus and they said, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. Get your children. Take them away. The master doesn't have time for your children. The master's busy right now. The master's has some real serious things to take care of. They rebuke those that brought them. Don't you see that this is adult stuff? Don't you see this is serious stuff? Don't you realize that he doesn't have time for those children? the snotty-nosed brats? Get him away from the master. He's a somebody. He's important. He don't have time for kids. Not now for sure. But not only do we see the disciples disdain, but we see the Lord's displeasure. He wasn't happy with that. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. Wait a say, you mean that Jesus was upset about something? You mean that Jesus might have been a little ticked off? You think that maybe, oh my, you mean Jesus actually had feelings? Yeah, and I guarantee you this, that was righteous indignation. He watched those children being brought to him and his disciples show that disdain and show that disregard for them. They rebuked those that brought him. And the Bible says that when he saw it, he was much displeased. He thought to himself, man, I don't like that a bit. That bothers me. Well, Jesus, you better just calm down, Buster. Because you're supposed to be God. No, no, he had a reason to be upset. Because in his mind, he loved children. And those children were his creation. And he wanted those kids as close to him as he could be. I don't know about you, but see, loving children is something that says, I like being around them. I don't necessarily always like what they say. I don't always like what they do. They don't always obey like they ought to. But boy, they're special. They're unique. They're precious. And Jesus saw those children as precious that day. He was much displeased. I'm glad he was not happy about that. I'm really glad. And then we see the love displayed. (laughs) The Bible says, and he took them up in his arms. He put his hands upon them and he blessed them. You know, just in January this year, I was... Blessed to have my first grandchild. And uh, little Adeline. And again, you know, know, I I pray and hope that there will be a number of other grandchildren down the road. I'd be happy about that if God would be pleased with it. But right now I have one. And when she stops by the house to visit Grandpa, and I know that's why she comes. (laughs) I can't help but say it's a wonderful thing to... To, to see old Adeline and that smile comes across her face and her mom is always trying to get her to smile because she knows that if she's, Adeline smiles at Grandpa, Grandpa think a lot more of himself than he does. <laughs> you know how it is. If you ever watch some of the parents around here, some of the moms, smart moms, you know what they're trying to do. You ever watch them? They're trying to get their kid to smile when you go to them because they know that you find self-esteem in that smile. Are you kidding? Everybody wants a baby to smile at them. And if a baby smiles at them, they go, he he likes me. She, she likes me. And if they don't, they're like, Ugh. you know I'm telling the truth. So Adeline comes on over and, boy, I'll tell you what, I can't wait. And it used to be when she was really, really small, I didn't touch her. You know, she's really little. And uh, I don't I do not do that really a lot, you know. And, and I'm little like, oh, she's kind of little. You know, I can't really do nothing with her, you know. And uh, now she's getting a little older now and she's got little chunky legs and you know she's, she's, she's starting to smile a lot and she's moving around some and she stiffens up and does crazy stuff and I grab her now and I'll hold her and I'll play with her and do things. I love taking her up in my arms. I love putting my hands upon her. And I want to bless her in any way I can. Jesus didn't have his own children, earthly children. But he had a lot of earthly children. They came to him and the disciples were saying, get the children away. And I can just think, they don't have a clue what's important. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, come on up here. Come on, you guys, gather around. Come on. And he put his hand on their shoulders and he might have given a hug here and there and he blessed them. He displayed love. He received them. He touched them and He blessed them. Children were important to Jesus Christ. And when He was on earth, He took the time to bless them. What's the bus ministry about? Well, from time to time, an occasional adult will ride. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the reality is, is for the most part, you couldn't get an adult on a bus if you paid them. A big old nasty church bus that's 150 degrees, got diesel blown out the back end. Boy, those kids will load them up on the buses and they'll come in the bus ministry about children. It really primarily is about children. And God loves children. God help us to never lose sight of what Jesus loves. And He loved children. So we have to keep reaching out. We have to keep reaching into the lives of these children. Someone says, I just don't believe it helps. I don't believe it makes a difference. I don't believe it matters. It does matter. And it does make a difference. Today in my singles class alone, there were two young men that rode our buses for years sitting in class today. Don't tell me it doesn't matter. It does matter. You know why? Because they... We have to keep reaching out and we have to keep reaching into the lives of these kids. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. Turn there if you would, please. Notice what the Bible says here. It says in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren... Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know what every single child in the world needs from time to time? They need a touch. They need touched. We sing a song around here, my son and I. He touched me. He touched me. Oh, he touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I'm whole. He touched me and made me whole. Let me tell you something. They need touch, too. And when we consider sometimes the background and sometimes the environment, sometimes the circumstance and situations that they are coming from, maybe they need a touch more than we do from time to time. They need somebody that cares. They need somebody that loves them. They need somebody that'll reach out to them. Pastor, those buses cost a lot of money to run. Do we really have the 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 energy, the time, the workers, the money to make that happen? Let me let me say, I was doing some numbers today. I wasn't going to share this with you, but I ran some numbers. Let's say that you make $35,000 a year. You have a $250 car payment. You spend $1,000 on gas that year. And you spend $500 on maintenance and general upkeep. I didn't even include insurance, did I? Let's just make it an even ballpark four grand, we'll say. That's one car. One car. You divide that out, you know where you end up? Around 12 to 13 percent of your income, your gross income, mind you, not your net, your gross, is spent on that one vehicle. Your home, of your home income, you spent gross, out of the gross, almost 12 to 13 percent. Do you know how much we spent on our bus ministry last year? Percentage wise, we spent. A little under 4% on our buses. And, And we have eight vehicles. We have six buses, one backup. We have two vans we run as well. And in this household, we spent just under 4%. Our budget is 400, well, this year it's higher, but last year it was 400. And fourteen thousand, I believe. And we spent probably sixteen to eighteen thousand dollars with gas and expenses on our buses. That's all we spent. Money is never a reason not to have a bus ministry.
0: Amen.
1: I mean you spend more on one car. You probably have two and you spend more percentage-wise on that one car than we spent on eight vehicles in our, ter- in our household budget here at Community Baptist Temple. Money's never a problem. Don't ever let your, your, the devil tell you that those buses are costing us too much money. They aren't. They're not. Especially when you consider what the result is and what God is doing as a result. Somebody's got to reach out to them. Somebody's got to love these children. And I I believe that in many cases, there's people that love them. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. But they need to know that God loves them. And how do they know that? When we touch them. Years ago, there was an, an insane institution in the state of New York. There was a teenage girl that resided there. Nobody in the entire institution could even get close to her. So they simply locked her up. They put her in a cell and they kept her there. They just shoved food between the bars of the door and, and they couldn't talk to her. They couldn't touch her. They didn't know what to do. If they came close to her, she'd attack anybody that tried to get near her. One day, a, a little worker there at this institution She wasn't a nurse. She wasn't a doctor. She wasn't a psychologist. She was just simply a worker there. She just did menial tasks around the institution, and she felt sorry for that little girl. And so she made a plate of brownies, and she slipped those brownies between the bars of the door of that cell. She came by the next day, and they were still sitting there. She went back the second day, and those brownies were still sitting there. But when she returned on the third day, those brownies were gone. Well, that encouraged her, of course. That excited her. So, what she did was the, she went ahead and put another treat there and slid it between the door, uh, the, 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 the bars of the door there. And uh, she did that, and she came back, and they were still there. But then the next day, they were gone. So, she continued to do that another day and another day. And She brought those little gifts on a regular, consistent basis each and every day. And pretty soon, every day she came back, they were gone. And one day, she brought that little gift to that girl. And that little girl just stood there and let her touch her. For the first time, she'd been touched in so many years. And then before it was before long, she was allowing her to unravel the gnatted nat, up and rattle, rattled, uh, or the hair that was all knotted up. And so she would be there and she would just kind of comb her hair out. She let her clean her up, and after a while, she began to feel more comfortable around this woman. And she began feeling more comfortable around other people. So some of the experts, they started taking notice of this, and they went ahead and started working with the little girl some. And what they found was that the little girl was really pretty much like any normal young lady. And she responded to their help, and she began to do very well, and she began to uh, just get better, it seemed, and they began to pour knowledge into her, and they began to teach her and train her and show her things. She became really a very normal young lady except for the fact she had a special ability to help people now. A special ability because of what she had gone through because she knew what it was to stand behind bars and not feel love. One day a doctor put her on a train and said, we've done everything we can for you and now you need to go and help somebody else. He sent her to a place down south to try and help a little girl who nobody had been able to help. The little girl was blind. It's an awful thing to be blind, isn't it? I mean, you can't see. But you can survive. I mean, you can learn Braille and you can learn to read with Braille. You can uh, get around with a, a cane or maybe a seeing eye dog. But this little girl wasn't only blind. This little girl was also deaf. Terrible thing to be deaf. But you know, you can learn sign language. Maybe even read lips. You can even read the printed page. But you couldn't show this little girl sign language because she was blind. And you couldn't tell her about Braille because she was deaf. This lady who had once been in this institution herself just worked and worked and worked and worked and worked with this little girl. Finally, she hit upon an idea. She got thinking about this, what can I do to help this girl to open her world up? And so she finally got this idea, and she went over and took the little girl's hands and put them under a a pump where water would come out. And she took another one of her hands and put it on her throat so she could feel the vibration. Of her vocal cords, and she said, "Water, water, water." And that little girl said the first intelligible word she had ever said in her entire life. She said, "Wah, wah," and that unlocked the door. And she began to learn words. And she did learn Braille. And she did learn to speak. And she did learn to communicate. And she ultimately inspired millions of people around the world. Her name, you know, is Helen Keller. And the teacher was Ann Sullivan. But there would have been no Helen Keller. There would have been no Ann Sullivan if there hadn't been this unnamed almost forgotten worker at the institution who said, I don't know what the doctors know and I don't know what the experts know but, and, and I don't even know what, what the studied and learned people understand and know but there's one thing I can do, I can love you and I can care about you And I'll do what I can to love you and do what I can to help you if I can do nothing else. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. Forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of God. And he took them up in his arms and he put his hands upon them. There is no substitute for love, my friend. None. There's no substitute for concern. There's no substitute for a heart that's broken for the lost and those that are in desperate need of Jesus Christ. Don't let anybody ever tell you that reaching out to these children is a waste of time and money. Don't ever believe that. It's well worth it. It's well worth it. C.T. Studd wrote a very thought-provoking poem which says, Two little lines I heard one day, Traveling along life's busy way, Bringing conviction to my heart, And from my mind would not depart, Only one life will soon be passed, Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one, soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat, only one life twill soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still, small voice, gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave, and to God, holy, God's holiness will to cleave excuse me, God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears, each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep in joy or sorrow, thy word to keep faithful and true whate'er the strife pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn, and from the world now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life, twill soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I know I'll say, twas worth it all. Only one life, twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. The bus ministry. I don't know that there's another ministry at Community Baptist Temple that's more productive than that ministry in reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know it takes a team and I know every aspect of the ministry has to pull together in one direction, but what an amazing ministry the bus ministry is. God help us to love what Jesus loves. And that's children. And may we never believe the lie of Satan that the bus ministry is just simply too expensive and too much work and too much trouble to continue. Well, God help us. God help us. There may just be an Ann Sullivan on that bus who will reach a Helen Keller and who will change the world for Jesus Christ. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, that you would just help us today. Lord, we we know that we need you. No matter how hard we would try, no matter how much effort we put forth, the reality is, Lord, is that we can do nothing without you. Nothing at all. Lord, today in this service, there may be someone who has never, ever settled their soul salvation. They don't even know if they died, whether they'd spend eternity in heaven or not. Lord, may they settle that today. May they come to the conclusion that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. May they not leave here with questions or doubt, but instead, Lord, may they leave here with confidence that they have put their faith in Jesus who died on Calvary, who shed His precious blood, who was buried and rose again the third day, their total faith in Him and Him alone to rescue them from sin, from Satan, and, Father, from and eternity separated from you. Help us, Lord, today in this time of invitation. May our hearts reflect on you and the 20 years that you've given us. And Lord, if there be even one that's without Christ, may they make that simple walk down an aisle in front. Lord, it's going to be a battle for them because Satan is not going to want them to make that decision today. Lord, help them to say, I need to know him, the one who created me, the one who loved me more than I can even remember or imagine. I want to know for sure he's my Savior and Lord. I want to know for sure heaven's my home. Give them that heart and desire. And may they see themselves as the sinner they are in need of Jesus the Savior to wash their sin away.